From the McGrath Institute for Church Life and OSV Podcast, this is Church Life Today. I'm Leonard DiLorenzo. In 2011, Steve Picorni founded Freedom Coaching, a one-to-one mentoring system aimed at helping those with an attraction or compulsion to pornography. This is not merely about learning how to avoid pornography. It is even more about reclaiming true health in the mind, in the heart, in the body. It is about reclaiming our humanity. Freedom coaching operates from the conviction that the reason most people with an attachment to pornography do not experience sustained lasting freedom is they've never learned how to attain healthy forms of intimacy. And attaining healthy forms of intimacy is only possible through receiving a redeemed view of the human body. In addition to founding and leading Freedom Coaching, Steve is also the author of Redeemed Vision, Setting the Blind Free from the Pornified Culture. He joins me today to not only talk about his work, but especially about the hope for redemption for those for whom new life has seemed otherwise unattainable. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Leonard. An honor to be with you and and your audience. So, Steve, we're all familiar with what coaching is. We know about soccer coaches who train teams and help players develop in the game. There are, of course, vocal coaches who help singers improve their range, articulation, projection ability. Even hedge funds have performance coaches to help their investors identify their biases and sharpen their investment Mm -hmm. strategies. But I'm not sure most of us have thought a lot about freedom coaching. You founded Freedom Coaching in 2011, so I was wondering if you could just begin by telling us what it means to be coached in freedom. Great question. Very, very good. We're, we're diving into the deep here to start here, right? And the way, uh, as, as we believe as, as Catholics, freedom uh, is not simply the, it's not to do whatever I want. That's license, right? It's to do what I ought to do. It's to, to fully develop who we truly are. And, and if we're using this notion of, of coaching, the difference between a coach and a therapist, for instance, a therapist is kind of an archaeologist. They're going into our past to figure out kind of what happened. And while there might be some of that to, to a degree, um, what we're focused on as coaches is really an, as an architect. We want to, this person knows they've got an issue and we want to build that, right? And, and so when we're dealing with a lot of the issues, especially surrounding sexuality, and so many of us are experiencing brokenness of that, right? Those things don't just go away. These uh, are, are oftentimes manifested through guilt, through shame, through self-hatred. And I don't know how to break free from that. And, and for myself, I was hooked for over 12 years with pornography and it affected me in, in a multitude of ways. And I wasn't sure how to break free from that, right? So as, yes, I'm the founder of Freedom Coaching, but I also like to say I was the first member of this process. God just happened to be my coach hmm. on that. Very good. So this notion of coaching that you're giving to us, as you said, um, not strictly based in the past, though it does have some some work to do with the past. It's very much uh, future-oriented in terms of building something, an architect. But maybe you could talk about, in terms of the, the coach as a kind of architect, building on a foundation and how that has to do with rebuilding perhaps what has been in tatters before, if, if we can kind of stretch this metaphor a little bit. Um, sure. How does that have to do with going the coaching going into the past to rebuild a foundation? Sure. So great, great question. So 
especially if we're, we're trying to make sense of our life, right? And especially when we're, when we're dealing with forms of trauma, shall we say, right? Um, a trauma for, for lay terms is any uncomfortable experiences where I can't seem to let go of it, right? I'm, I'm, I, something, maybe a traumatic experience happened years ago, but I'm reacting in a similar way emotionally, and I don't know what to do with that, right? So the, the biggest painful emotion, I would say, that, or, which is, is more than just an emotion, it's a reality, is that of shame, right? And, and shame itself is that, uh, from a negative perspective, is I'm afraid to show you who I am. Right. I believe that I have no inherent worth, no value from, and it's obviously stems from guilt, uh, guilt, knowing that I've done a bad thing. So what has to happen in order to move forward with somebody's life, Leonard, is we have to break that wall of shame, right? Because you could have all the, I mean, there's what, I don't know. I don't know what the count on self-help books are, is lately, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's more, it's more than probably a hundred thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps uh, only to God and he knows the number mm -hmm. and um, you can have all the best advice in the world. You can have the best coach in the world in, in, a, in a variety of things. But if you, especially in this area, this arena, because sexuality is a good that God gives to us. It's, it's primarily who we are, either male or female. But if we don't believe inherently that we're good, then we're and, – and, and that's been reinforced especially through these behaviors. Then moving forward and, and having that changed um, is, is virtually impossible. And, it's, and, and so somebody could be – like, and especially so – we see especially with men in this issue of pornography – when they get into a married situation, they came into marriage. A lot of them, this is what we hear from our clients. Some of them is I got, when I got married, this piece of metal was supposed to solve all my problems, right? Mm. Well, no, it's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not just a piece of metal, right? It doesn't change the heart in a, in, in, in certain sense, right? In certain sense, it becomes like Mount doom, right? Or, or the Lord of the Rings, right? It's the, it's the one ring to rule us and bind us in the darkness. Mm. And, and sadly, because my wife is now involved with this, she comes in that darkness as well. And as much as, as sweet as she can be, as fantastic as a, a woman she might be, um, she's not a fantasy. She's a real person with real emotions, with real opinions, uh, definitely a different libido than what's presented in, in pornified images. And, and those things, right, as, as sweet as she could be, as kind as she could be, right, and, and speaking kind things to us and kind actions, if we believe that we're unlovable, then there's going to be this kind of rejection. I'm going to put, I, I per, maybe perceived rejection. I'm going to push you away. And I don't want you to come close to me because if I actually let you into the space, you'll reject me. You, you won't like what I have here. Right. And, and so you've got a bunch of people. I mean, we, um, who are walking around this, this planet, especially in the American culture, and especially in the Catholic Church right now, who have this wall of shame and don't know what to do with it, right? So the enter freedom coaching or somebody who can walk with them in, the, in this way, who knows the, the ins and outs of the issues and can see behind that, yeah, you're experiencing this now, but guess what? This is not your identity. There's something good here and you're worthy of love. And let me show you how we can actually bring that, that wall down so that the good stuff can come in. How have you found that pornography takes away a person's freedom or obstructs mm. a person's freedom? In what particular ways does that obstruction come in? 
Yeah. So let's, let's approach this from a, a couple angles. So right. first and foremost, um, and it's a great question. Um, first and foremost, pornography is not real. Okay. And what, what we can say is what people want is fantasy. What they need is reality. Okay. So if, if we think of anything of relationship, why this, especially this issue of pornography is so damaging to women in relationship, because the images that are shown there are quote unquote, perfect, mm-hmm. right? Like perfect body size, perfect body parts. Um, there's no real work that a person has to do, which Leonard, let's be honest, <laughs> right? You're, you're married. I'm married. <laughs> it's a lot of work, right? And, and, and our wives are going to change, shall we say, just depending on hormones from moment to moment, right? And, and here, especially in that relationship, right? If, if I'm, I've been trained that this person is supposed to be at my beck and call, Right. I bring them to a real relationship, which is what we want. You're looking at the devastation of that because there's no way that a woman can compete with these images and vice versa. And I want to make this very clear to all those who are hearing this. This is not just a men's issue. And we, we've been lied to that there are no men, there are, there are no male, there are no female, where there's simply androgyny. And, and if a, a woman who has these deep desires thinks they have, she has to be like a broken man mm. and she has to be into what he's involved in as well. So, so going back to your, your, your initial question, those comparisons are devastating here. And, and especially because like what we're looking for in those, I can, we can say, come down to three things. We're looking for, um, for something that's good. We're looking for beauty and ultimately to paraphrase Bruce March Marshall from eight, uh, 1946, a book he wrote called the world of flesh and father Smith. He said, uh, the man who knocks on the door of a, a digital brothel is looking for God. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're going in here with these expectations somewhere in there. And they're absolutely unfounded. That's that de- that's a de- that's devastating somewhere. But then we find is with the chemicals that are involved here, what's so devastating? It's the same chemicals that are found in healthy marital intimacy, such as dopamine, norepinephrine, testosterone. Um, but it's a completely different result. Instead of finding that we're becoming more of ourselves, that we're becoming free, more free to give myself away to somebody who fully receives me, it's simply an empty screen. It's an empty seat. It's not. Um, it's never going to fulfill us. It ne- it, it, it's not designed to do that. Okay, and so the disappointment is brutal, and that's where again comes back to that that guilt, that shame, that mm. self hatred, and I don't. And then the the tattered snares of my uh, snares of my life. I can't get done with this, and it's actually affecting what's happening in the real world. Well, and it would seem that precisely because there isn't the fulfillment at the end of that promise of fulfillment, you end up chasing, like chasing the dragon, more and more. You're seeking after, in the same way, the thing that will not fulfill you, and there is yeah. how addiction begins, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's break that open. Let's break right. that term open, and I'd love to uh, – let's talk about this. So the, in, in the work we do in Freedom Coaching – I think there's a lot of misnomers with the term addiction. Okay. okay. Addiction, when a lot of people hear that, they hear once hooked, always hooked. Or and and then from there, that is my identity. I am a porn addict, or I am an alcoholic, or I am a uh, an overeater. Mm-hmm. Right. We see this a lot with 12-step programs, right? And I don't want to bash 12 steps. There's some benefit for community and, and for accountability. But again, getting our identity straight, who I am, 
is so critical to moving forward in our life in, in a variety of ways. So if we take this term of, of dopamine, right? Dopamine is this, this um, especially is connected with the pursuit of pleasure. It's un, uh, very motivating, uh, very, uh, very focused here. Well, enter, and, and dopamine itself, by the way, is good, right? Dopamine right now, I think there's a hit of dopamine. I'm, I'm, this is a great conversation, right? It's a good thing. But with pornography use, dopamine itself, what the, what happens is that chemical is released because we're seeing something new, right? We're, we're drawn to, to novel things. That's the reason why some people were listening. It's like, okay, this kind of maybe a different take on, on this issue. Let me keep listening. So it goes into the receptor, right? And, and that's where it feels good. But what ends up happening, because it's not real, it's not enough. So then the innocent images that I started with, well, guess what? It's not enough. I need something more and more and more. And this is why so many, so many men and women that we work with find that the quote unquote just innocent images, for instance, I had to start with a still image and then I need this just video of somebody maybe modeling and then gets into intercourse and then goes down a, a major rabbit hole such as trafficking, which is a huge, huge issue. And, and to connect the dots on that very briefly, right? Where do people come in this? Tim Ballard, he's the founder of Operation Underground Railroad, says you can basically take every sports franchise. So Notre Dame, take them all, all these right. sports franchises, the amount of money that brings in, and also send every child, every child in America to a four-year university. Send them to Notre Dame, there's still money left over of what's being coming through the traffic industry. Yeah. Okay. So this is a huge issue. If you're wondering, why, why, why are we even talking about this? This is why, because our own individual behaviors are radically affecting people in the real world in very deleterious ways. Mm. This is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Light Today. I'm talking with Steve Picorni, founder of Freedom Coaching, a one-to-one mentoring system aimed at helping those with an attraction or compulsion to pornography. Steve is also the author of Redeemed Vision, Setting the Blind Free from the Pornified Culture. So I introduced there the term addiction, and you very helpfully sort of reset that term or gave us a different way of thinking about it. Do you mind if we talk about that a little bit more? Because I want to make I want to make sure I understand. Sure. So you alluded to, say, the 12-step program, which most famously is available for those people who suffer from alcoholism. And there are other forms of 12 steps, of course, too, for all various types of substance uh, and other types of addiction. But my friends, I have friends who uh, have gone through 12 steps. They remain active in Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I think of one friend in particular who doesn't hesitate to identify himself as a recovering alcoholic. He wouldn't say he was somebody who was an alcoholic. He would continue to identify himself as a recovering alcoholic. And part of the 12 steps or being a member of Alcoholics Anonymous is not to stop doing the work. In other words, to take on these new habits and these new forms of relationship to replace and continue to root out the old habits and the old for forms of relating. Is that is that something that we that you I don't know if I want to say if you accept or is that is that the way in which you like to think about the work that you're doing with people who have had attraction to pornography, compulsion with pornography, or is there a different way of imagining and seeing this path that you like to put forth? Okay. Great question. Okay. So there's maybe a slight overlap, but then there's something, there's a big difference, Great. right? So 
we're talking about identity, right? In order to move forward in our life, we have to have a, a clear vision, right? I think that's a part, especially a part of that you do, uh, Leonard, with the work at Notre Dame of helping students to know what is their vision, right? Mm. And if we don't have a clear vision of who we are, we're not going to have a clear vision of the path in which we need to walk, right? And if my identity is this behavior, then I am I'm kind of stuck back there. Right. And this is where what we find is in, in a lot of 12 step notions is, for instance, let's say we went to an Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. Right. Hi, my name is Stephen. I'm an alcoholic. And it's been 30 days since my last drink. OK. And my focus here is where I had my last mistake. OK. And that's where I start identifying. And, and by the way, this becomes a brute for so many clients that we work with. That notion of counting days becomes brutal because what happens is, let's say you get to 30 days and then you get back, you have a slip, you enter back into that behavior. PM's crushing emotionally. Oh my gosh. Like did every, did what I went through, does it even matter? Yeah. Like let's forget it. And what we want to say is we, we preach and teach the philosophy of day zero. Today is day zero. Hmm. Tomorrow is day zero. The next day is day zero. Why? Because redemption is real. If, as a Catholic, we believe God the Father sent Jesus Christ to die for you and me now, here. If we were the only ones on the planet, he'd do it in a heartbeat, right? Now, the fact that, you know, in, in as we say to clients, as we begin this process, one thing we'll talk about, um, the fact that we're talking tells me you may not buy it, you may not believe it, right? And, and wh why is that, Leonard? It's because the wall of shame, mm. right? Because that's 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 clouding all my vision, and I can't I can't see past that. So, in a certain sense, this is where the um, the philosophy really jumps off. Um, what's happened in the past is over. You got to go Elsa on that. Let it go. Okay, a little frozen <laughs> for you, right? Okay. Our um, Elsa would be proud. Um, our future hasn't happened. Don't go there. It's now. Stay here. Right. This doesn't mean we stick our head in the sands sand and, and say none of those things happen. No, they really did happen, but they don't have to define us. And that's a big, big di mm. difference of philosophy here. So when I take this day zero approach, then I know even if my, my day goes totally sideways and it's a hard, hard day, I can cling to redemption. And Christ is really with me in the midst of this. And he wants to walk with me. And he does not view me as my attachments. He views me as a son and I'm a son in the sun created when the when when the sun makes you free you are free indeed it's our job through grace to respond to that and to claim that freedom mm. and to live in that place and this is where freedom coaching for instance can help people to change that mindset and when we start to do that where when our focus changes then our energy changes and then we can start making genuine really real lasting changes in our lives mm. you know in my listening that resonates with something that really I think struck me in both reading your book and then reading about your work, which let me see if I can explain this well. Um, you are not so much focused on helping people to avoid pornographic images. I mean, certainly that's part of it, but that's not enough. It's just to mm -hmm. avoid. You're much more interested in going deeper than that to solve the problem of attraction to pornographic mm -hmm. images. And for people trying to sort of sort this out, the difference, just listening to this, we can imagine pornographic images start outside of, of us. That's an external issue. They come inside of us and they're embedded within us. But the attraction to those things begins within us. So you're doing, you want to be much more about the work, the internal work of helping to cure the attraction, the sort of corrupted way in which desire has been misdirected and 
misattached to the wrong things in the wrong way. Can you talk to us about that, how that is so, if I'm getting this right, that sounds like it's so central to the work you're seeking to do to help people heal and to live into redemption, which is to heal attraction or desire. Okay, so let's let, let unpack it. Beautiful questions, uh, question and questions, Leonard. So um, I want like you use the term cure, and I got to be careful. We got to be really careful with that, right? God does the healing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a response to grace that we're doing. So we have, I, we like to say, we happen to be in the room. Jesus Christ is the one who's ultimately doing the work, and 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 certainly as for Catholics, the sacraments are certainly involved in that process, mm-hmm. right? But can there be a transformation of our attraction? And I think this is a this is a big big dis, uh, discussion that needs to be had had in our day and age, because especially with so many elements that we we view, if we have the lens to see it, this broken sexuality, the idea is, you know, I've experienced these things, I really can't change. That's my identity, and we're saying. I want to call BS on that. No, we really can through through grace, right? And this is one of the so zeroing in on this point. Let's use an analogy. Okay. Uh, Leonard, have you ever been to um, ever been to Amish country? I have. I live in Indiana. Okay, so yeah, there we go. So you're in the heart of it, right? Yeah. Um, and um, we're walking through. Actually, I, sh- I should ask this. Uh, this is going to sound shocking to people who are listening to this, but in Amish country, uh, there are Amish people. Uh huh. Yes. Shocking. Um, and the Amish like to be pulled in buggies by horses. And when the when nature calls, the horses release road apples. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I understand. Seen them. Okay, good. Yeah. Good, good. So imagine you and I were walking through Amish country and there's this big pile of road apples. Okay. Leonard, would you ever go up to that pile, pick one up, smell it, take a big bite and eat it? I would not. Okay. So I'm being very, very graphic. Here. Yes. I apologize, I apologize, but we got to get the point across here. Why wouldn't you let it? Well, I have no appetite for that. And I would be, I'm already repulsed by it, even the thought of it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So why do people watch pornography? Hmm. It's the same thing. Whereas road apples are caca for our bodies and our, hmm. our bodies. Pornography is caca for our body, soul, mind, heart, and vision. Okay. And the reason why you would never do that is because you see it for what it is. You've been, shall we say, you have fed yourself on things that actually satisfy, that actually nourish us. The issue is because so many of us are experiencing brokenness in front, stemming from where we grew up in our families, from maybe perceived or real rejections in our life, various hurts, or, you know, uh, when we were blasted, big term here, bored, lonely, hungry, angry, apathetic, stressed, tired, turned on, emotional, depressed. There's Mm. a big term, blasted, Mm. okay? When we have those what are perceived negatives in our life, pornography and, and pornified images and unchaste behavior presents an easy out to try to deal with a genuine, real need. And because sexuality itself is good, but this gets misused, gets twisted, and because it's a, it's like a powerful drug. Any, if if that's where the way which we've started dealing with this, and we're we're being programmed to believe this is actually a maybe a, a way I can deal with this, and I think it's a good, a perceived good. Then anytime I feel blasted, I'm going to come back to that. And it's actually there's a chemical called delta phos B that actually it's a reinforcing cycle that happens here. And so the way forward from this, because we're not going to, to try to run from our sexuality, to try to repress our genuine sexuality is created male and female. Sexual desire is a good. 
It's a question, what do we do with it? That's where morality comes in, right? So the desire, for instance, to want to see beauty, the desire to want to see beautiful men and women, that's a good thing. But the way in which what's being presented in pornography, as we stated, is not real. It never will satisfy. But if we've been programmed and that's the way we get satisfied, we're going to fall for that counterfeit pretty much every time. But this is where we want to say is, can we learn how to see the body correctly, to perceive sexuality, to be educated in the truth so that we desire what actually will satisfy us and then to reject the road apples, shall we say, mm -hmm. out of hand? Yes, we can. And there's a way through through this, and it's ultimately through grace. This is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Life Today. I'm talking with Steve Picorni, founder of Freedom Coaching, a one-to-one -one mentoring system aimed at helping those with an attraction or compulsion to pornography. You were speaking there, Steve, about beauty and false beauty, but also recognizing true beauty and being uh, recapacitated for beauty and perhaps by beauty. One of the things that again, caught my attention in your book. And I think it plays into, I imagine it plays into your work in freedom coaching as well, was your attention to not just beauty in the third part of your book, but in particular sacred art and the encounter with sacred art. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because this is not, I don't know if this is something that people who pick up a book about uh, being freed from pornography would expect to find the turn towards sacred art. So tell us about that. Yeah, great, great, great question, Leonard. I mean, I think the the typical advice, the biggest advice that most people hear is just don't look at it. Right. Don't look at it, right? Nature abhors a vacuum. Mm -hmm. We're going to want to see. So the question is, again, what are you seeing? How are you seeing it? How are you being formed that? What are you being formed in, right? The, it's, a, it's about being intentional, like everything in life, being intentional with our vision here. And if we've experienced a broken vision, we can have that vision redeemed, hence redeemed vision, right? So, so in here, if, if the word pornography, some people may not be aware of this, translated from the Greek is actually means, it's translated the writing of prostitutes. If our way, if that's been the thing that has been trapping us here, then and it's a visual written writing of pornography, uh, writing of prostitutes, it's going to be the visual writing of God, that's going to get us through here, right? So this is where we get into things like iconography, Icon, iconography, right? Um, I'm a Byzantine Catholic, right? And and this is where we want to say this is the visual word of God. The sacred scriptures is the written word of God. This is the visual word of God. And, and, and typically, certainly when you say we draw um, draw icons and iconographer does that. And by the way, please don't ask me yeah. uh, to draw you, you one. write them uh, or write, write yeah, it to you write, write to icons. write you one. Yeah. You typically write them. Although I, uh, our former pastor would talk about drawing icons. It was like, all right, well, whatever, I guess he does. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's way better than me and I'm not, I'm not your guy for writing icons because right. I, I do not have that habit. I have a gift for gab. And, um, but our, our way forward are images like sacred art, through icons, mm -hmm. iconography, where, because what we're longing for, and this is another reason why pornography is just, we would say lust is boring because it doesn't give us more. It takes from us. And Father Brian Bransfield said, that the meaning of our life is not to acquire pleasure quickly, but to give beauty slowly. And this is what really good art does. It doesn't have to be necessarily just sacred art. For instance, the David or the birth of Venus by Botticelli, right? These, these, these masterpieces that draw us into the transcendent, they need to uplift us. We're looking, there's a reason why pornography has attracted us so much is because there's a, a, an appearance of 
the idealized man or woman, the idealized relationship there, right? Well, guess what? We're called into the idealized relationship, but it's not, it's not primarily found here on earth, right? It's ultimately into the divine, into the, 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 the perfect man, Jesus Christ, into the perfect woman, his mother. If you could make your mother, how would you make her? Perfect. The blessed mother, Mary, right? And, and these are the, the idealized ones. We, and, and, and this is what is sad about our, just our civilization. There's a whole lot of ugliness that's out there. And, and again, nature abhors a vacuum. So if we're not finding it in the things we're looking for and things aren't being presented to us, especially, and this is where we as Catholics, we as Christians need to take part of the blame. We have failed to be and continue to be the patron of the arts. There certainly are elements, but when you look at our churches, where you look at church music, where you look at a lot of those other things, and this is getting into maybe dangerous territory and dangerous conversation, we find that stuff is not appealing. Most men who go to church, what's the accusation? This is boring, okay? And so what we want is we wanna enter into something that's gonna, gonna captivate us. Nothing captivates us like a real relationship with the one who knows us best, that's God. This is where sacred art, healthy images of the body, where the body is exposed appropriately to us. Because remember, the body is not pornographic. Nakedness itself is not the problem. It's the context, how that's presented. So when it's presented in healthy, wholesome ways, guess what? We shatter the illusion. It shatters through through any remaining shame. And what's left is awe and mm. gratitude. And we're drawn into the mystery that, that this world itself, there is beauty in this world, but it cannot be fully contained here. It must be drawn to the transcendent. Mm, beautifully expressed. I'm so enticed by what you're talking about there in terms of the slow revelation of beauty as opposed to the pornographic image, which seeks to give everything all at once. But the longer you stay with it, the less you actually see. You know, I teach a, a course on theology and art, and one of the assignments mm. early on for the students is to spend an obnoxiously long time with a, a piece of art. Yes. Yes. And by obnoxiously long, I mean three hours. Now, I'm I'm not utterly <laughs> cruel, so they don't have to do it all at once. They have to do it in at least 30-minute okay. chunks. But by the end, and it's only by the end, what they come to have appreciated is not just the work, which they're in some ways happy to be to be done with for some time. But it's actually, I mean, the work of art, it's actually the work of encountering it. That's where the, like the little mm. moments of delight come from. Like, Oh, you know, 48 minutes in, only then did I recognize this. And on my third one-hour session, I saw the symmetry of this, or I came to this thought or this idea. In some ways, that art is, en is engaging you slowly, but it's actually dignifying you by asking you to spend time here and to activate your own imagination and creativity. Yes. And it sounds to me like you're saying pornography takes that humanity away from you. It doesn't ask you to work. And it's always the the allure of ease that draws us into all kinds of these little sweets um, that we want the easy thing. So I wonder how much you think about what you're doing is helping people to rediscover their humanity, the hard but really beautiful part of our humanity where we become more, not less ourselves by denying ease and going for the good, solid stuff. Uh, I, I, I'm, che I'm, I'm cheering here. I'm oh, hey. cheering All right. with what you with what you are sharing. Like the fact that you are you're you're you are on the ground, boots on the ground, doing this with your students. Mm. Right? How many of us have like, especially uh, especially our youth, especially are simply being trapped by a lot of screens that are so quick, right? Yeah. And and from one scene to the next and the next, 
there's no time to slow down. I it's simply like, give me the information, give me it now and give me it last, last week because I'm in, in what that's doing. And this is another reason why pornography is in any pornified image and unchaste behavior is so damaging. It destroys our ability to slow down, to enter into contemplate, to, to meditate on the mystery of the person and to create empathy, empath to empathize with others. I would argue after courage is the number two virtue that needs to be taught taught and inculcated into us. We need to sit and soak in here because if I can't empathize, if I don't know, especially first and foremost, where my emotions are, okay? That's especially uh, pornography and, and pornified images destroy that capacity. I can't tell where another person is. And then the capacity to enter into a genuine real relationship, aka friendship, which we need more than anything. We need this way more than eroticized relationships, way, way more. Okay. What we need is genuine friendship and relationship. And this is what art can do. Art can call us back to ourselves. Genuinely good art. When you see a really good film, wholesome film, that causes you to question the reality that's presented to mm. us or to ask the bigger questions in life, we actually have to sit with that, right? Mm. If, if I, and, and not just move on to the next thing. When we see a piece of art, a still art, like for instance, that I, for those who are simply listening to this, I have an, an, a piece of art here of, of Jesus this demonstrating, for instance, Jesus entering into pulling Peter out of the water. But if you if you look at this carefully, Leonard, I think it works the both way. Maybe just maybe Jesus is in the water uh, and he's inviting us to go in to drink deeply. Mm. We're, we are drowning in a septic tank. We want to drink deeply. And so what you, what that example of what you did with art and what, what we encourage our clients to get into, right? Once we break through this barrier of shame, is to get into the wonder to see world through the lens of genuine artists. We're all created to, called to be artists, um, to take the materials that God gives to us and to live them well. And, and, and then that last point here, this is this whole project of freedom coaching is a reclamation project of our humanity. We're being told by various sources that we're supposed to be transhumanists and to, to get out of the body, to avoid the body, to avoid who we are as human beings. No, God calls our bodies good. He calls our sexuality good. He calls our identity as beloved sons and daughters of God. And the way into that and through that and to live in there is genuine wonder and genuine art that allows us to, to enter into that mystery. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's that soaking. We want to soak in that. That's why like even our conversation right now, Leonard, we're doing a disservice to those who are hearing this because there's so much here, right? And, and, and to, to know the mystery of who you are as Leonard, right? Art should help us to do that. Anything we're watching or seeing. So think of just as a, um, a practical tip for, for those who are, are hearing this. Think of the social media you're using. Think of the the, the entertainment that you're, you're you're involved. It's not wrong to watch movies or listen to music, but is it ultimately bringing you into a transcendence? Is it helping you to be, to become more human so I can enter into the world of others? If it's not, guess what? Turn it off. Find something better. Enter into what is going to create the real because it's the real that will satisfy. It's the real that brings the joy to the heart. Wow. Steve, as people are listening, if they want to find out more about freedom coaching or maybe they want to get started in working with one of your coaches, how do they do that? 
Great. So what I would say, first and foremost, you got to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Acknowledge you got, you got, we may have an issue. This is something that's going, it's not just going away. You can't just talk about it, right? One podcast as good as this podcast yeah. is, it's not going to right. solve the problem, right? So I would go first and foremost, go to freedom-coaching.net. You can see a lot of the, what we're doing there. Uh, we're on social media with Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, I think we're on Twitter. I think we are. Um, and <laughs> I think so. Uh, Twitter apparently has been reclaimed for for someone else. Um, so um, so it's being it's being honest there. And and if you do as a gift to all those who are hearing this, simply mention this podcast. We want to give you the first meeting free. We don't want this to be a, a hindering block here. Uh, and then if by doing that, actually, we're going to go and give uh, help to further your work here uh, by we want to give a small gift over to you once uh, they become a client. So um, there really is healing. There really is hope here um, to get your life back and to live a life that's extraordinary. Wonderful. Well, Steve, thank you so much for the generosity of your time and your wisdom today. It's been a great gift to me and I'm sure to all of our listeners as well. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord, Leonard, and honor to be with you today. And thanks to all of you for joining us on Church Life today. This has been a production of OSV Podcasts. To learn more, visit osvpodcasts.com.